morning. Well, if you were at the night of worship, my goodness, it was just so good. It was Easter level excitement and joy uh, that night, just worshiping the Lord. And so we're gonna have four of those next year. So each season we'll take some time and worship the Lord in a special way as he deserves. And so hopefully next year you can join us for that if you missed this one. We're in um, Psalm 103 today. If you wanna open your Bibles or open the church app and follow along the notes and the scriptures there as well. Last week, we looked at Psalm 139 and focused on four attributes of God. Who is God? And today, Psalm 103 tells us the benefits of following God, the benefits of being his children. Uh, G. Campbell Morgan said this about Psalm 103 in particular. It is perhaps the most perfect song of pure praise to be found in the Bible. What's unique about it is there are no historical markers saying, oh, this psalm was written after this incident, this difficulty, this sorrow. Instead, it's just David looking at himself, doing a soul check and saying, I'm not worshiping God enough. And he desires to worship God even more. And so I was looking for a psalm of praise like this that we could focus on before Thanksgiving. I'm not sure what your Thanksgiving traditions are. Even people that don't follow the Lord try and figure out ways to be thankful. When, when Shannon and I lived on the East Coast for five years, when we started our, our marriage, we were by New York City. And so every year we'd try and go to the, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in Manhattan. We'd have to leave at five in the morning to get there. And I had a plan. I knew that city. And so I had a plan to avoid traffic on the way out. And you had to think about this. One time while we were in a subway, the subway doors opened up. It was packed. We almost burst out. And there was an entire marching band looking at us, trying to figure out how do we get in the subway? And not one of them got in. And they must have walked the, the 90 blocks to get to that parade on time. But one year, this is the best year of Thanksgiving Day Parade history, I created a cardboard fort for my children the night before that I was able to disassemble and fold perfectly. And so I got there early in the morning, right on the front line and, and unfolded this fort that had pillows and blankets. I mounted an iPad in there so they could watch Frozen during the time. I threw hand warmers all over the place to create some warmth, had a, had a kind of a wrap on the top so they could have this little fort. My kids were perfectly warm because we had to wait two hours before the first balloon came by and they were just all cozy in there. And at the end of it, I was tempted to lie and say at the end of it that I unfolded it you know, all and put it in the trash can. But it's New York City. I mean, I just, I just folded it down, got the good stuff and left and everyone trampled it. But they have a cleaning crew that come around a whole city after Thanksgiving parade to clean the whole thing up. And so you don't have to judge me. I forbid you judging my littering at that, at that moment. It was beautiful. This year, we're gonna try and fry a turkey for the first time. So needless to say, we have a backup ham just in case, but I'll be in charge of frying the turkey. Good luck for me for that. But listen, we think of ways to thank the Lord, even during this season when the whole world or the whole country is thinking of ways to thank the Lord. But we default to the physical blessings, if we're honest. Lord, thanks for my family. Thanks for my house. Thanks for you know these friends. Thanks for my health. The physical things. Today's psalm is going to remind us we have much more to thank the Lord for, the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. So we're going to see David do a soul check, look at himself, come to the conclusion that he is not worshiping the Lord enough, and then he's going to stir up praise inside of him. And as we look at that, we're going to be reminded of all the great reasons we have to praise the Lord as well. So we're in Psalm 103, starting in verse 1, where David says, "'Praise the Lord, my soul.'" 
All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And so where does our thanksgiving come from? Not the Pilgrim's 1600s thing. Where does, where does our internal gratitude and thanksgiving and praise really come from? Well, it comes from within. David is looking within for this praise. He says, praise the Lord, my soul, my inmost being. Our inside, our, our heart, our emotions, our desires, that's our truest self. And when David looked at that inside of him, he said, I'm not thankful enough for God. Right? It, it is our insides that are truest self because sometimes we can feel a certain way and speak and act differently a bit hypocritically. We can't do that on the inside. Who we are is who we are on the inside, and that's who needs to praise the Lord. Real worship starts on the inside before it bursts outward, starts with gratitude. And so something I get to see each week that, that you don't get to see, but that I can testify to is after our worship team tunes their instrument, instruments and does their practice, they tune their hearts. They go downstairs and, and they have some time where they pray together as a team to make sure their, their hearts are in the right place as they lead us towards God in worship. And inside praise is actually an invincible praise. No one can take it from us because it's not based on external circumstances. It's not based on how people are treating us. So it's a defiant praise that we can have regardless of the circumstances. So somebody can be rude and unkind to you, and that's horrible, and that's a shame, and that shouldn't happen, but you can still choose to praise the Lord. It does not have to ruin your day. You could have a student driver in front of you and still praise the Lord. Is anyone else like me tempted just to act like a maniac next to the student driver, car stopping? And I can't do that, though, because one day my daughter will be using a student driver car, and she needs to be safe, so I won't, I won't do that. But praise is from the inside. By by commanding his soul to praise, David is reminding us that, that praise and thanksgiving and gratitude is not our heart's normal condition. We default naturally to forgetting God. That's why it was great to take communion today, because we do this in remembrance of Jesus. But we don't default to praise. We have to stir it up inside ourselves it's an appropriate condition of our heart. Our heart should be grateful in praising the Lord, but it's not the default condition. David knew this, and so he stirred himself up. Others may complain, we need to choose to praise the Lord. So praise comes from within with to stir it up in us for good reasons, and it comes from remembering God's goodness. As we think on who God is and what he's done for us, we can't help but praise the Lord. Verse 2 David says, forget not all his benefits. Stop forgetting the reality. We think so much that the physical world is the only reality. The invisible world is more important, that God is real, that he's with us right now, that he has a future and a hope for us. That's tangible. It's real. We just can't see it and experience it yet, but it's real. And so we need to praise God for the rational reasons that we see in the scriptures. And we look at ourselves and say, it's appropriate for me to praise the Lord. And so November is just a great month to really think through this. And in our, in our family, one of the traditions we had is, we, uh, Shannon, would, Shannon is the keeper of the traditions in our household. And so she'd make this thing called a Thanksgiving tree. And so it's just, you make a little tree, cut it all out, put it on the wall, and then you cut out little leaves. And every day the kids and, and us, we had to write something we're thankful for. And what we found as we were doing this, especially early on when they were younger, is um, Winnie the Pooh got thanked before the parents did. 
Doc McStuffins got thanked. And then Titus was really young. And we remember he would only ever thank God for things he could see in that moment. We're asking him, what are you thankful for? So grass made it on the list because we were outside a tree. We're like, all right, Titus, just, it doesn't have to be what you're staring at. What are you thankful for? And somewhere down the list, eventually mom and dad made it on the Thanksgiving tree. Never after the stuffed animals, but we didn't take it personally. We thought they were cute little kids. This year, we're doing something different. We're doing a, a thankful jar, unless there's another name for it I should recognize. I don't know. But it's a jar. Every day this month, uh, each of our five-person family, we have a particular color. So I'm yellow. And we're handed a piece of paper, and we write something we're thankful on each day, and we put it in the jar. And on Thanksgiving, we're going to read all of these things we're thankful for. And so it's a fun way that each day we should be thinking of gratitude um, I noticed in here yesterday, we saw, we're not supposed to cheat and, and, and see them earlier, but sometimes you can't help but see them. And I noticed uh, that there was one particular named cousin the kids had in New Jersey and one particular named cousin in California that, were, that they were thankful for. And then there was another card that said, other cousins. This is 10 other souls that they summed up as other, we're like, I guess you have a favorite cousin in New Jersey and a favorite cousin in California. That's okay. My great fear with this is I'm forgetful and I'm not keeping a little side list. And so I just have a feeling on Thanksgiving, I will be thankful for two out of my three children and I will permanently scar them in their lives. I'm gonna fake it. I want you to know either way, all three kids will, eventually if it's the last one, and I'm, I've also feared that I wrote hot tub four times and the kids' names only once, but I'm gonna clean it all up on Thanksgiving. No one needs to know, I'll swallow the paper. I'm thankful for all of my children. But the truth is, you can already tell we need a bigger jar. It's not because we're extra thankful than any other family. It's just because there are thousands of reasons that we can remind ourselves to be thankful to God for all that he's given us. And so what are some of the good reasons to praise God? Verse three, well, some of his benefits are, he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And so we see so many really important things to thank God for that we can forget about. The first is forgiveness. We're forgiven of all of our sins. This is only a big deal to us if we make a big deal out of our sin, right? When we recognize the magnitude of our sin, our rebellion against God, and just how righteous our God is, and you hold those two things next to each other, you're like, I'm in trouble. And then you realize that you are forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. And it should be mind-blowing to us. Author Tim Keller says this, we're far worse than we ever imagined and far more loved than we could ever dream. That's the balance. We really are worse than we give ourselves credit for, and yet we are more loved than we'll ever even imagine in our lives. And so forgiveness is a benefit from God. It's listed even before physical healing. Verse three says he heals all your diseases. And so when we are healed, we can give thanks to God, whether it was naturally, sometimes our bodies just figure things out and all of a sudden the pain's gone and the problem's gone. We can praise God for that. Uh, whether it's medically, through a doctor or medicine or a surgery, we can praise God that he gave people wisdom where we can have medicine and doctors. Or maybe it's miraculously. Sometimes the Lord just touches us and heals us in a way where the doctors can't figure it out. We can pray for that. 
And sometimes it doesn't seem like we're healed, but that healing just means that it comes in heaven. We're healed in a future sense when we receive a new body in heaven. And regardless of the case, we give God praise for these moments. And so there's, uh, I was able to see two ends of this spectrum this week. On, on one end, my last remaining grandparent, uh, who had a stroke a month ago, went to be with the Lord this week. And so we prayed for healing, and yet he went to be with the Lord. And the Lord in his goodness said, no, I'm, I'm taking him home. And on the other end, Shannon's father, um, I think we mentioned, is he has a cancer diagnosis. And at first they were really nervous about where the cancer was based on his symptoms. And we also got a report back that the cancer was just locked into those bones and hadn't gone anywhere else. And the doctor was surprised and happy about that. And so we praised God because of that report. We, we sought the Lord and, and asked him for that kind of an answer. We were surprised that we got it. And we thank God for that good report. So he heals all of our diseases. Verse four says, he redeems us from the pit, right? He rescues us from life's worst situations. Right? There are times where we put ourselves in our worst situations. We're in financial problems and hardships because of our own decisions. Sometimes we're put in those places by other people and God can rescue us out of that. Sometimes it's a, it's a broken relationship and we think, oh, I'll never be in a good relationship again. And God rescues us out of that. God takes life's worst situations and he gets us through them and rescues us because he is good. He also, in verse four, crowns us with love and compassion. So he's not just trying to spare us pain, but he's proactively blessing us with his love, his compassion, his mercy. God cares about us that much. And in verse five, it says he satisfies our desires with good things. And so we have our desires and we try and purify them with the Lord and say, Lord, help me to desire things that are about, you know, blessing your kingdom, about seeking you. And, but then we've just got some natural good desires as well for having a, a healthy, good family. And God satisfies those things with good things, right? He knows exactly when to say yes, when to say no. He even gives us an appetite for the spiritual things. And if you're recognizing that in yourself, this is God transforming you from the inside out. If it blows your mind that you actually enjoy coming to church, that's God working in your heart. If you have a desire to read the Bible, that's God drawing you towards himself, right? If you have switched genres and you're like, I still like some of this other music, but I just wanna listen to worship music right now in my car, that's God doing a work from the inside out and that should encourage you. Praise is a response to being in awe of God and his works. And awe starts from a single thought that we hold on to for a longer period of time. So as you think truthfully about God by looking at the scriptures, as you, as you hear a lyric in, in the worship time and it causes you to think about God in a truthful way, and then you hold on to that, your awe for God grows and praise is a response to awe for God. God blesses us like this because life is hard and he's trying to strengthen us so we can endure a really difficult life. Some of you are in the roughest time of your life. This season is just overwhelming. God is blessing you so that you can endure. Verse five says, so that, all these blessings are so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The prophet Isaiah would come along a couple hundred years later and say this in Isaiah 40. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You're like, yes, that's the kind of strength 
that I need? Well, that is for those who hope in the Lord. God is blessing us to strengthen us because life is difficult and we need his blessings to get through it. So we should thank him for those blessings. But as we look around, we see other people struggling and we may wonder, does God bless them too? Verse six, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. God blesses others. It says for all the oppressed, even when it doesn't look like God's blessing is upon them, God's blessing is upon them. They may want change in their life. You may want change for their life as you, as you see them struggle, but God still is there. God is causing those that are evil and oppressing others to reap what they sow and to be judged, and there'll be a final judgment for them. God is giving endurance and strength to those that are overwhelmed and oppressed. And he does this largely through his people, right? It says in verse seven, he made known his ways to Moses, the people of Israel. And today you could say through the church, and so as we, the church, see oppression, difficulty, and struggles, we are being called by God to reach out and help those that are hurting, to bring about justice as we see society is in contradiction to the scriptures. God wants to work through his church. And so sometimes we, 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 we judge others. We, we're so discouraged by how the world is, but we need to reach out and do something about it as the church is that well, because we have the truth of God's word. And so now why would God be so good to us and everyone? Well, verse eight is a beautiful description of who God is. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. That's your God, compassionate, gracious. Yes, he will be angry at rebellion. There is anger towards sinful acts of rebellion to him, but he's slow to anger. That anger only comes after lots of patience and mercy and opportunities for repentance. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. This is who our God is. It's a beautiful description of God. But you wonder, okay, but is, is God only merciful towards like small sinners? I'm not talking about short sinners. All sinners are short compared to me. I'm talking about are they, like, just to, when you sin in like small ways, is that, are those the only kind of sins that God will forgive? You may be worried and think, I'm disqualified from God's goodness because I crossed a line. Look at verse nine. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sin deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. It's not that God only forgives little sins or by accident mistakes. God forgives willful rebellion, shaking our fist even right at him. He's willing to forgive that. The greatness of our sin does not overcome the greatness of God's love. Our sin is no match for his love. His love will always be greater. Even if you think I've crossed the line, I've gone too far, he won't accept me back. It's just not true. Because verse nine says, he's not gonna harbor his anger forever. Verse 10, he won't treat us as our sin deserves. And speaking of his love, we have this beautiful picture David wants us to think about. As high as the heavens are, so great is his love. We're to look at this world and say, I, I can't even imagine how high this sky goes. That's the picture of God's love for us. In the context of sin, 
While we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his own love towards us by sending Jesus to die for our sins. Verse 12, to help us understand how much we're forgiven, it says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. Weird little fact that kind of tripped out my mind this week. Maybe it makes sense to you. But if you think of a globe, as you're traveling north on the globe, eventually after you cross the North Pole, you begin to travel south. Okay, makes sense. You're like, Andy, this is, I'm tracking with you. I'm following with you, right? But if you're traveling east, you will always be able to continue traveling east, right? There's no time when you get to east where you're like, oh, I can't go any further east. You just keep going east. But as you're going north on a globe, you, you eventually start going south. Maybe David didn't have that in his mind, but David is trying to communicate to us that our sin has been cast infinitely far away from us. We don't need to continue to feel guilty over our sin. There's consequences for our sin, but we are made right with God so much so he doesn't want us to dig up our past, to feel bad for it, continue to. He has forgiven us in a great way. And so because we've been forgiven so much and God is so forgiving, why don't we just like keep sinning and you know he'll just keep forgiving us? Well, that issue has already been dealt with in the scriptures. The apostle Paul in Romans chapter six said this, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We who are those who have died to sin, how can we live in it anymore? Right? We've, we've died to sin. If you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, you've been made new. You're a new creation. You have a new appetite for holy things and you have a disgust for your sin. And you may struggle overcoming your sin and you may be addicted to your sin, but you should hate your sin. We don't use God's forgiveness as an excuse to continue on in sin. By no means, the scriptures say. So how can God be so merciful towards us with our sin? Because another took it. Jesus took our sin upon his shoulders and was punished for it on the cross. And so God's righteousness and justice was satisfied as he punished our sin, as he punished Jesus instead of us and his mercy and love was extended to us, what we experience instead of his punishment. I think, okay, that's fine. So God will forgive me if I make one big mistake, but what if I keep failing? What if I never stop sinning and I just always feel weak? Look at verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. We're, we're given the picture, if we're worried about our, our weakness, that God is our father and he's a good father who's compassionate towards us. And so we don't have to worry because we have a good father in heaven. The picture is a loving father having compassion on his tired children right? And recognizing he can't demand more from them than they're able to do, right? They're, they're weak. He takes into account their weakness. He measures that out with his expectations of them, right? And he recognizes that about us. I know when, uh, 
we have a family of five, and so we love to travel, but boy, is that expensive when you're paying for every kid over two. And so the Dean family has to fly red eyes, just these horrible all-night flights, sometimes leaving at like 11 o'clock at night, landing at like 5 a.m., but it's really 2 a.m. because of the time change. It's just a disaster. Just because I have three kids doesn't mean I divide the five bags of luggage equally among them especially when they were young and they're waking up at two in the morning and in their mind, I told them, my expectation of you isn't to carry this bag. You're going to put that on the mule. I'll, I'll carry all the bags, bumping everyone. All you have to do is walk. Just follow your mother. That's all you have. That's all I could really depend on them when they're two years old, three years old, and, and really that young. And so I'm carrying it all. Sometimes I've got the youngest one on my shoulders with all the bags. And now that they're older, we thank God, we can divide that up and let them carry their own weight. And they're doing better with that. But I take into account their weakness and manage my expectations of them. And so in verse 14, it says, God knows how we are formed. He made us and that we are dust. We're weak. He knows we're not God. We're built differently. He built us. Verse 15, he knows the life of mortals is like grass, temporary, and so God knows how we're wired. He knows how hard it is to start a new spiritual discipline, a healthy spiritual habit. Now we start and stop, start and stop, and, and he takes pity on us. I love how C.H. Spurgeon spoke of the compassion of the Lord. He said this, though he knows your trials will work for your good, yet he pities you. Though he knows that there is sin in you, which perhaps may require this rough discipline before you'll be sanctified, yet he pities you. Though he can hear the music of heaven, the songs and glees that will ultimately come of your present sighs and griefs, yet he pities those groans and wails of yours. God loves us and has compassion on us because we have been adopted into his family and we are his children. And so the healthiest parent-child relationship that you can imagine here on earth, an even better one exists with us and our Father in heaven. And that pity was actually turned to empathy at the incarnation. When God took on humanity, he, he couldn't just say, oh, I pity you, or I can understand your pain. I, I, I feel bad for you. He took on our pain. He can empathize with us now. So say, I've experienced that pain. I know rejection, isolation. I know sin, but I did not give, I know temptation, but I did not give into sin. He can empathize with us because we are so loved. I think, okay, but if I'm weak like this and I don't have any strength, how will I be saved? Verse 17, this is God, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over our all. We, we don't rely on our own strength. It's not about, am I stronger today? Is my faith stronger today? No, we rely on the strength of God to finish the work that he started in us. It's okay to have weak faith in a strong God because it's God's strength that matters, not the strength of our faith. Although we wanna have bigger and bigger faith as we go through life, God is the one that's gonna finish it. Philippians 1.6, we can be confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it, right? And so if you know the Lord is changing you, but there's so far to go and you worry if you're gonna make it, you will make it because God is strong and he will finish the work he started in you. 
And so as you have those moments where you, you have an appetite for worship and for the word and for, for service, and you recognize God is changing me. I'm so far from where I wanna be, but God is working on me and I know he'll finish that work because he's from everlasting to everlasting. And he loves those who keep his covenant, who, who believe in Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the savior. Not those who think they're strong. I'll just stop sinning. All I had to do is just make the choice to stop sinning. No, we are desperate for a savior. The only thing a person who needs saving needs to do is say, me, save me. You think of all the movies about people getting saved from all the different scenarios and the, the mind has collapsed and they're looking with the flashlights and someone's like, over here. That's all we have to do. We call upon God as the savior, rely on Jesus for our salvation. His strength sees us through. And as David closes this Psalm, he reminds himself all the heavenly creatures that see God clearly, praise him. And he wonders, will I? Verse 20, praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Those that see God the clearest, the angels that are in his presence recognize the appropriate condition of their heart is to praise him because they see clearly that he is worthy of it. Our trick is to remind ourselves, how do we see through the fog of distraction and despair and remind ourselves God is worthy of our praise? And so as we do a soul check today and we look at our hearts, we'll all be like David and recognize, nope, doesn't matter if I was at the worship night on Thursday. Doesn't matter if I enjoyed worship this morning. I need to praise the Lord more. I need to sing out to him. I need to live for him. We never do that enough. David's not singing a solo here. We are all to add our voices to this song and praise the Lord. David, at the end of this psalm, ends with how he started. Praise the Lord, my soul. But now he's reminded himself of many more reasons to do so. And so have we, just in time for our Thanksgiving prayers. And so, Father, would you please be with us this week as we, as we meet with our families, as we gather, whatever these holiday seasons bring for us, for, for some joy, for some stress, for some grief, we know that you'll meet us in those moments. And no matter what season we're in, we can stir our hearts up and say, I may have lost a lot this year. I may have struggled a lot this year, but there is still more to praise you for. And that praise can be stirred up from within us and be an invincible, defiant praise, regardless of our circumstances, which will be quite a witness to those that we are around. And so we commit this time of Thanksgiving celebration to you and ask that you would help us to give you glory where it's deserved, Lord. May we move from a list of physical things to give you thanks for, which we should, to a list of spiritual reasons why we should give you thanks. Those are things nobody can take away from us because they are hidden safely in Christ Jesus and they are our inheritance now and forever. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. We have a prayer team available for you.